And welcome to Varsity Switchboard for Lent 2021. My name's Amber. I am a second year education English and drama student at Queen's. And I'm Eliza and I'm reading history at Tit Hall. And we are your podcast producers for this term. So, hi. <laughs> you get used to the sound of our voices. <laughs> Eliza's at home. I'm staying here in Cambridge. So we are here to give you Cambridge from home and Cambridge from Cambridge in a term where sadly everything has gone online. And I guess it's worth saying that we're recording this at 7pm on Wednesday so literally a couple of hours after Toop has just announced that the entire term is going to be online. And so in this episode we are basically going to be talking about what this means for everyone coming up to this term, what Michaelmas was like for people. First of all, we're going to talk to Katie and Alex, who are two members of our wonderful Switchboard team, about their experiences at their separate colleges with tutors and how they felt that affected their welfare over Michaelmas term. And then later on, we're going on to the rent strike to hear about why this started in Michaelmas term and what issues it was trying to address student uptake and experience of the rent strike and also how they're now going to have to adapt given that we've all just been struck with this announcement of a national lockdown and an online term. We hope that this podcast for those of you who are at home makes you feel like you're still a little bit in Cambridge and for you Amber in Cambridge I guess makes you feel more at home and not kind of in a city where only a few of you are there. And we're going to do our best to bring the Cambridge prep queue to your listening ears. And given it's the new year, we thought we might bring you some sounds that are a little less familiar than the Cambridge Prep queue. So we've teamed up with Olivia, who's from the CAMFM show New Music Cambridge. And each week we'll be bringing you music from Cambridge artists. Our intro music is coming to us from Colonel Spanky's Love Ensemble, which is an ever-famous Mayball band. So alumni, if you're tuning in, you'll probably heard of them as well. And our outro music is from Matt Haygarth. So let's crack on with our first few interviews, starting with the lovely Katie, who is the welfare officer at Murray Edwards, talking about her experience with welfare within college during the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? My name is Katie. I am a second year English student at Murray Edwards. I'm also the JCR welfare officer, and I'm also the social media officer for Switchboard. The varsity podcast. So across Michaelmas term we were all receiving endless emails from our senior tutors giving updates on the ever-changing COVID-19 pandemic and how that affected us within colleges. What was the general tone of these emails like at Murray Edwards? Mostly really nice. I, I like the, con- the content with, of them was almost always difficult because the email almost always contained restrictions of rules or like reminders of rules but the tone was always very kind I would say and always very welfare conscious because I think that's something that Medwards has always always stood for and always values very highly and we've just got a new senior tutor who's really really awesome and good for that so it was quite it was always quite harsh messages and Medwards were one of actually one of the harshest concerning especially before lockdown in November it was one of the harshest with rules but I found that especially chatting to friends my senior tutor always phrased it in the kind of the nicest way I think yeah with, 
always thinking about how we'd receive it. It was nice. I liked that. How do you think that kind of impacted you personally throughout term, like how you saw things? I think it made me feel lucky to be at Medwards because I, especially when sort of when Medwards were really strict in the first half of the term, I remember thinking, oh, you know, if I was at another college, I'd be able to do more. But as soon as lockdown happened, I felt so grateful to be at Medwards because we were receiving kind emails. When I was in isolation, I got emails checking up on me. When I caught COVID, I got an email from my senior tutor saying, please do not blame yourself, whatever you do. And like lots of other sort of really sweet sentiments. So it was kind of a, like a game of two halves because the first half of term, I wasn't so sure. But then in the second half of term, I think morale at Medwards was quite high because we were, we were well looked after. We were well checked in on, I would say, by the emails. And they were always really kind. That's so lovely. Well, yeah, because you are the JCR Welfare app. So you are kind of who people would turn to in these times did it, what kind of trends did you notice with other students through Michaelmas through these holidays I thought it would be an easy job when I when I went for it but yeah it was in Michaelmas there were a lot of freshers one of the hardest things was to watch freshers expectation of uni be very much undermined by what the reality was actually like especially because a large proportion of the freshers have been pulled a large proportion of the freshers which and I think this is still an issue for Medwards as a whole had not decided that they wanted to be in an all-female environment and were very keen to socialize with guys and the, this was forbidden and it was a really difficult sort of freshers were telling me that they couldn't keep to this rule and also have what they saw as a uni experience so in the first half of term there was a lot of that during lockdown there were the stuff that I was kind of dealing with was mostly people saying I'm not getting supplies I'm not getting food the, the one issue Medwards did have was stuff like that with porters and with like the management of people in isolation getting fed over Christmas I think they went home and they started to sort of become accustomed to the fact that this wasn't going to be normal or great and I was mostly just getting desperate sort of questions about will I get back what happens when I get back some freshers were kind of keen to not come back because they hadn't had the greatest time as you can understand, because it's hard, so hard to make friends. But yeah, so I was getting lots and lots of questions about that and I was, had no idea how to respond. So that was kind of the general, mm. general vibe. A lot of questions, and a lot of anxiety, for sure. No, that, that definitely makes sense. I think, like you said, an all-female environment, so heavily welfare-focused, can kind of have its benefits and its drawbacks. Were you aware that things were being treated differently at other colleges as term went on? And did that change things for you? Like, did it change the tone of, of things? Definitely. It definitely it definitely played into the game of two halves. In the first half, half of term, I was feeling quite, I, you know, I was aware that the clock was ticking for me. And that sounds ridiculous because I'm, you know, in the first term of my second year, but I was thinking, oh, gosh, come on. Like, you know, I've not got much time left here. I want to use it properly. And I was aware that other colleges were allowing visitors. I have a boyfriend who lives far out and I couldn't invite him to come and see me, which is really important. And I remember being in a meeting with my, with my senior tutor and saying, please, we're not asking to have parties. We're asking for a, you know, for a fresher's mum to be able to come into college. And I'm just saying, no, sorry, no. And I remember thinking that was really harsh and the other colleges had just handled it so much more with a welfare emphasis. But then as soon as everything went very steeply downhill, Medwood's a good, Medwood's strong point is when everything's really bad looking after you, not so much making everything super fun, but really, really having your back when things are bad. So it was at that stage, I think, that I was like, oh God, I'm so lucky that I'm here, especially because with rule breaking, we were never fined. There was no disciplinary action. We were, we were offered counselling. It was taken as like, not a cry for help, but a signal that their welfare was in danger. And it was treated like that rather than like a, a misbehaving problem. No one was ever threatened with anything, which was very different to other colleges I've heard. I felt lucky to be at Medwoods. And I'm feeling more and more lucky to be at Medwoods as stuff goes as stuff gets worse <laughs> yeah definitely 
Yeah, no, that's so interesting because obviously disciplinary action has been so different in every college. And I don't think I've ever heard that before. The more recent event, obviously, since the announcement of the national lockdown, I know Queen's, my college, has decided to kind of maintain their quite strict stance on returns in terms of mental health and people who kind of need to come back or feel the need to come back in the process of the first half of this lockdown, so within the next three weeks. How would you compare this to the situation at Medwoods and have there's, has there been any controversy about this? Unfortunately, we've not heard a word from Medwoods directly since the government's announcement, which has been quite frustrating, but again, it's only been about 24 hours, so there's not much you can do. You know, the, the, all that we know is that in theory from Stephen Toop's email, you can, if you had, you know, consent from the college to go back because of mental health, in theory, that still exists. But yesterday, firstly, my friend who's the JCR president was told to leave and is now at home. And secondly, one of my friends was on the motorway halfway up and was told, unless there's some sort of abuse going on in your household, please reconsider, beg to reconsider, basically. So despite Toop's email, it seems to be that, and I, again, it sounds like it was done in very nice like rhetoric, but it does seem as though they are very keen not to have people as much as possible. Yeah, and the controversy, I think, about you know whether it's a valid mental health issue has been complicated and hard. I know there are people that are feeling resentful that they've had to kind of dredge up every horrible thing that's happened to them you know over the last year in order to sort of validate something that they want there are people that feel that they've got it much worse than everyone else and that everyone else is sort of whining and it's proving more divisive than I would have thought among like my immediate friendship group so yeah it's hard it's hard especially because Medwoods have been quite quiet it's all been a lot of chat so it's been quite hard to work out which way is up and the lines are very blurry and also it's so weird because at this time everyone's had a terrible time. So it's quite hard to work out where terrible is and where like normal is and stuff like that. So especially with friends at other colleges who are being treated differently, mm. that's going to be really hard. Just to kind of wrap things up, uh, talk a bit more about your role on the JCR and how you think being on the JCR in this last crazy year, how do you kind of think that your role has been, do you think it's become more important, less important than it necessarily would have been? And do you think that aligns with how things work at other colleges more generally? I think I've heard from other, I've heard from some other colleges that the JCR is slightly a massive, massive part of college. And I've heard at other colleges, it's tiny. I think at Medwoods, it's more towards the massive, especially this year. Our senior tutor, when she arrived, she arrived, you know, in March, which was a horrendous time to become a senior tutor. She was very keen to basically learn from us about what it was actually like to be a student because she had to do it all over the internet. It's been definitely a big job and welfare. I'm, I, you know, we did have a meeting about the fact that welfare was probably a good thing to have one person for before COVID, but now it probably needs more people because it's such a, it's such a vague word for such a lot of things. So yeah, my role, I had a lot to do so there was definitely a lot of points where I like reached out to other people and I was like please help me because it was there was a yeah the workload was a lot and especially because freshers have never met their tutors or you know any members of staff so but they may they probably met you so you're more approachable and therefore more likely to receive like complaints and stuff but at the same time I do think being on the JCR had me in more zoom calls over the March May period so probably made me feel more connected to uni than I might have been had I not been so I don't regret it at all. It was nice to feel like I was doing something useful. That was Katie giving us her experience from Murray Edwards, which is very different from any experience I had heard. And even different to my experience and experiences that I've heard at other colleges is Homerton, which I know has had a lot of issues last term. And there's concern from the students that those might continue this term. So here's Alex with her views on Homerton's handling of COVID-19 returns. 
So, Alex, could you give us a summary of the events of last term and the tone of the student-college relationship? Last term, at Homerton specifically, a lot of issues came about particularly concerning the way that the senior tutor had dealt with welfare issues. Confidentiality wasn't really kept and that ruined a little bit of the students' trust in the tutor system. So a lot of things popped up in quick succession surrounding Homerton and the senior tutor specifically that I think very quickly diminished the relationship between the senior tutor and the students. So when the situation arose with the lockdown and the emails that we got from the senior tutor about returning this term, the inconsistencies in them, the insensitive tone that was in the email were kind of just straws to break our backs (laughs) by this point, I think, because the the relationship was already pretty fractured. Um, And do you think that relationship was fractured specifically by COVID measures last term or is it kind of a sign of a a greater issue in that relationship between students and the college staff? I think in the examples that arose specifically last term it was very much the tackling of welfare issues that weren't related to COVID which suggests there was a deeper issue there that has just come about at the time that COVID is happening I think but then the way that ta- the way that COVID has been tackled is also just an, a further point to suggest that that relationship is still there's still a disconnect there. The way that the senior tutor has spoken to us and how that can contrast the way that perhaps individual tutors will speak to us. There's just a lot of confusion, which isn't particularly helpful. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of disparity within the college with different tutors are you also aware of there being any difference between Homerton and other colleges and how does that impact students welfare and their relationship with Homerton? Now that the emails that were sent out to individual colleges have been shared a little bit more and we've seen the emails that colleges such as Medwoods sent out for example or Churchill's leniency and letting people back it's very clear that There is a disparity amongst all of the colleges and personally, rather than feeling like, oh, at Homerton, we've had a a bad lot. It it just feels unfair to the entire student population because, you know, if Homerton were saying don't come back or being rather strict about people coming back for a reason, which is people's safety, then perhaps other colleges being too lenient. But if, if some colleges are being less stringent in letting students return then why is that disparity there it's kind of it's unfair to the entire student body who are paying for the same experience and receiving very different ones given that a lot of colleges are now having to alter their policy so they were previously lenient whereas I believe Homerton's always been quite strict and just said that they would not be kind of taking into account extenuating circumstances do you think that perhaps there's a benefit in just taking such a harsh stance in that Homerton's now not having to alter their policy at all whereas I know at my college there are students who'd been told they were allowed to return who are now kind of left in limbo whilst the college trying work out whether it's safe for them to return given national lockdown. From a from a very robotic or from a very objective standpoint you could say yes there are fewer numbers at Homerton so they don't need to necessarily deal with people having to leave again for example but at the same time There are now people who are stuck in situations at home who felt unable to ask to come back. And I think that that will leave a lasting impact in the students' trust in the college. 
that will possibly last a lot longer than necessarily the impacts of COVID. And you've kind of noted issues that seem to be external to COVID that the, the students were already having with the college. Is your JCR doing anything to represent those students and are you seeing the JCR kind of lobby for greater leniency over COVID allowances? During the last term the JCR was in a difficult position in that they they are a union of students but they're also a Homerton union of students and I think they are put in a very difficult position where they're not entirely sure who their allegiances lie to especially because we're a JCR where our president is usually not a student they are paid by the college that also adds a different element of who does the JCR represent and I think that meant that the JCR almost kind of dwindled a little bit they did try and put on events for the students I think particularly for the the first year undergrads to try and make them feel more welcomed into the college as opposed to having to stay in their room for the entire term but I think college often portrayed that as leading to more problems because there would be cases of too many people in one place, not very good social distancing. It could encourage some of the parties that occurred last term, which led to the, the first year undergrad accommodation being locked down. So I think the JCR is in a very difficult position now where I'm not sure either college or the students are in particular favour of them. So I think yeah they've they've tended to sort of dwindle at this point and I'm not sure where it's going to go from here. That was Alex speaking about her experience at Homerton which sounds pretty different to what Amber heard from Katie at Medwoods but what's maybe more concerning about Homerton is the fact that the students there don't have a JCR who are there to represent their views and to lobby on behalf of them given these experiences. Which really nicely leads us on to our next interview with a group who are attempting to lobby for students, which is Cambridge Rent Strike. And we were really lucky to hear from Laura for an official view. Okay, so I'm with Laura from Rent Strike Cambridge. And my first question is, what is Rent Strike and when and how did it begin? In terms of for for Cambridge, it started about 23rd, I think, of November. It was kind of sparked by a meeting that happened between well it was organized by the SU it was like students and vice chancellor and various other uh, university senior management and the SU and like various student uh, activist groups like put questions to senior management and they were all all of their kind of concerns and questions were basically just parred off and ignored they were things like you know like will we have academic safety net Will we be allowed to study remotely? Will there be guarantees that there will be no redundancies? Will there be better welfare provision? And like the kind of responses that university management were giving were just like, oh, actually, these aren't concerns that students have. Like, we've spoken to students and in fact, these aren't problems. And so I think coming out of that, we were all quite angry and just like, well, it's pretty obvious uni management aren't going to do anything about our concerns. So that kind of week, a group that previously was primarily involved with like supporting UCU strikes last year, Cambridge Defend Education, we we met and were like, okay, what should we do? And yeah, the rent strike kind of came out of that. But I think nationally, there is a little bit of a history of rent strikes in the UK, like most famously UCL a few years ago, I think it was 2016. But compared to what's happening now, like we've never seen 
anything on this scale really definitely not since the 70s and are you involved with other rent strikes at other unis and is there some sort of centralized coordinating body or is it very much dependent on the concerns of students at individual universities um no so we do have national solidarity network we've got like multiple whatsapp chats and stuff we've been meeting throughout the last few months and like sharing resources and running training sessions and stuff i've attended a couple of the initial meetings at other unis so i think i went to like essex and norwich so yeah we've all been kind of in communication like helping each other out where we can went strike the like national campaign uh, were really helpful at the beginning as well but yeah no it, it is now like a mass national movement i think the question is now just like where where is this going to go from here and that's something that we don't necessarily know the answer to yet but yeah we're absolutely in communication um and i mean do you have any idea whether there's a particularly strong uptake in cambridge or whether there are other universities where students seem more keen to get involved with the rent strike. Like we have had mass uptake here. There are like over 500 people now pledged to rent strike. And at Manchester, when they went on strike, there was only like 150, 200 initially. I, I don't, I wouldn't say that there's like more anger at Cambridge than at other unis. Like at Bristol, there's like over a thousand people. And at Manchester, in general, I think there's a lot more student rage because of how dramatically terribly they've been treated like we've definitely been treated badly but we've not been locked in we've not been locked up in our accommodation kind of thing but I think like at Cambridge it's been not so much it's not it's not just been the fact that we've been mistreated I think it's also been a bit of a realization like from talking to students because we've been doing lots of phone banking and stuff with people that have signed up to to strike Mm. it's also I think that people are are realizing that that our university doesn't have to be run like this like I think it was back in maybe like April that or May Toop gave a speech where he was like we may have to consider the unthinkable which is mass redundancies Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people from that I've spoken to were kind of radicalized by that because they were like well if you're not putting students first and you're quickly just going to resort to firing huge numbers of staff, like what is the point of this institution, right? If it can't even look out for people that it's supposed to look out for. So I think that as well, I think has been, yeah, like quite a a radicalising factor. And it seems that the rent strike in Cambridge and elsewhere is informed by student welfare and a concern for student welfare have you had any conversation or guarantee from the university of like what actions would be taken against students who rent strike and are the student union providing any support for students who are rent striking or saying that they'll lobby on their behalf to the university yeah so in terms of guarantees about no disciplinary action we haven't actually entered into negotiations yet with the university so we haven't had those guarantees but I would say the likelihood of anyone facing disciplinary action is incredibly slight. And also, if that was something that was threatened, we have multiple contacts with national media now. Like everyone would rally around those students being threatened in that way. And I think it would just look so bad for the university, particularly seeing as this is a national movement now. So we absolutely wouldn't be encouraging students to do anything if we thought it would have a negative impact on them and yeah the the SU 
So they actually did release guidance for rent striking, which is very useful. They haven't yet passed a motion to support the rent strike, but that's going to happen on the 25th of January. And we're like reasonably confident that it will pass. So going back to something you said earlier about how this is now a widespread national movement and it's getting a lot of support in Cambridge, that's kind of altered rent strike in that it's given you perhaps a potential to ask for things that you didn't realise you'd have the power to ask for and now again with a new national lockdown being introduced your plans have probably been changed given that many of us won't be in Cambridge so what were your original plans for Lent term and how have they been changed by both of those factors? Yeah so quite quite significantly unfortunately <laughs> but yeah so our, our original plans were like colleges will go on rent strike will enter into negotiations with colleges and the university in a kind of coordinated way but most people won't be returning like our demands are definitely as relevant and if for some of them if not more relevant than they were but obviously stuff like right to study remotely that's not really relevant anymore and rent obviously won't be being paid by lots of people obviously loads of international students have now been forced to stay over Christmas because the university continually ignored our demand for right to study remotely. So I think what we can see here is just like how badly the university has messed up because there's now international students stuck here by themselves Mm. in like empty colleges having to pay rent. So I think those demands are still relevant even if they're not like directly applicable. And then in terms of no COVID job losses, obviously that's even more relevant. But I think, yeah, we are going to try and tweak our demand a bit. So we want to introduce demand around like a no detriment policy, a policy that allows people to progress to their next year of academic study, regardless of their performance this year. And then we're also, I don't know what to say like about demand because we haven't, reformulated them yet but it what will probably look like is something a bit more college specific at first so finding out who is in each college who's stayed behind what these people want what they're worried about creating college specific open letters if there's enough people at these colleges then encouraging them supporting them in rent striking and then what we're hoping as well is that because I think you know this term it's even more obvious than it has been before just how badly students have been treated so we're going to you know keep the campaign running and then if we're allowed back then reinvigorating the kind of campaign that we had last term and encouraging everyone to rent strike again because we're still absolutely like committed to trying to win 30% rent reductions the whole academic year hopefully getting rent rebates hopefully getting rent reductions overall so yeah, we're not like fundamentally changing the campaign, but we definitely are thinking about how we can make it more relevant now. We've got an open meeting tonight about that. I mean, this might sound paradoxical, but it seems that rent strike and and what kind of sparked an interest in rent strike in Cambridge back in November on this grounds of welfare and a concern that the university and then a disparity between colleges meant that students' concerns weren't being heard. It's almost now that one of the key issues is that students can't return who may wish to for a whole range of different circumstances. And I know that's not in keeping with the rent strike because these are people who are asking to return and maybe they want to return and not pay rent. 
but have you thought of having any involvement with kind of lobbying um, the university decision on preventing students returning? That's not something we've talked about yet. Of course, we would absolutely be encouraging people who feel it would be detrimental to their mental health and well-being to stay at home to return to uni. And I think that is something that most colleges are saying that they will take into consideration. So that's not something that we have specifically thought about lobbying for. But I, I think it would be like if it turns out that colleges are being extremely like harsh on that and like not allowing people to come back who need to because back in March we were just told to go home regardless of whether we could go home whether we had anywhere to go home to whether vulnerable people were at the place that we were supposed to go back to and so yeah I think the uni have somewhat adjusted their policy towards that to be fair but if it was a situation like that again then we absolutely would be doing something about it. Yeah, it's, it's unfair of me to ask because, of course, we don't even know what the university policy is. It's just, I guess, anecdotally, it's the main student like welfare concern that I'm hearing. That I've like, heard yeah, no, and, yeah, people in college. Yeah. My only other question is that you're also co-chair of the Cambridge branch of ACORN, which is an organisation that I know is focused on improving housing quality. But do they also have a concern with job losses? And is there any degree to which ACORN is involved with the Cambridge rent strike? In terms of job losses, they're not a union that organises in workplaces. So that's not really their remit, but um, obviously, you know, it's all interconnected. And, you know, in terms of that interconnection, that's also why we chose to work with Cambridge. So they, they, yeah, they have actually been really involved throughout this campaign Mm -hmm. because we wanted Rent Strike Cambridge to be a campaign against landlordism generally. We wanted to create this awareness that the, the university and the colleges are landlords and bosses, and like that's why we're being treated like this by them because because of that profit motive. So yeah, we we ran some training sessions as Acorn for the Rent Strike. We yeah we had a couple of people on the ACORN committee helping us with database stuff teaching us about like structured organizing conversations so yeah no it's it's been really very collaborative the whole way through and I guess like a big part of rent strike and then also questioning the university's landlord is just getting as much information both on students who are willing to rent strike or students rent striking but also I guess making students aware of factually how many others are rent striking or factually how much the university kind of needs rent for profit. I think a lot of students don't really think about the fact that the university kind of would want to keep students there in order to make a profit off them because I suppose because we hire our rooms off the same people who are our tutors and who are our dosses it kind of never really occurs to you that they are landlords but I was wondering if rent strike were kind of and and through that association with ACORN making an effort to like make students aware of that and make students aware of how the colleges profit off of their rent yeah yeah well it's, it's definitely been like a part of our narrative throughout the whole thing and I think not even just at Cambridge but like across the UK because we've had such extreme funding cuts to education last like 20 years it's created a situation where students are almost like necessarily exploited by their universities so like 
rent is now on average like 70% of a student's budget of, and you know Cambridge isn't exempt from that obviously and that yeah that's been something that we've like tried to work into our narrative the whole time I guess. Thank you so much I know like a lot of this is probably really really up in the air for you guys you know you couldn't predict a national lockdown any more than the rest of us could think but I'm you know I'm glad to have been able to speak to you because it's nice to have like an official statement on what rent strike is and just even for students to hear what it's what it's currently up to even if you aren't quite clear on like what your plans are for the next term oh yeah no thank you so much that was Laura with a really useful outline of who rent strike Cambridge are and what they are trying to do but one thing that I really learned and one thing that I think the group really acknowledge is that the differing reasons why students are striking are themselves very different. So here's Amber speaking to one student about her experiences and the reasons that she's striking. Hi. Hi. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is Ellie. I go to Selwyn and I study English. I'm in second year. So just to kick things off, what made you decide to support the rent strike in Cambridge? I think initially I felt that we shouldn't have been brought back to Cambridge last term amidst the global pandemic, obviously. And I felt that the main reason for bringing students back to Cambridge was because the university felt they needed our rent and that students were essentially being exploited. I felt that especially in Cambridge where students mostly live in university accommodation it was quite stark the level of exploitation and students who didn't necessarily want to come back or students who weren't able to do teaching in person um, being forced to come back and I saw all of that happening and the rent strike just seemed like a really great um, collective effort to make the university take account for all of those issues. I think what you say about Cambridge specifically is really interesting because obviously as a collegiate university rent isn't something that's university decided. Earlier on in the podcast we've got um, some girls talking to us about disparities between colleges. So what has your experience been like with your college? So I'm living in a college house at the moment and Actually, last term we had a lot of problems in terms of heating and cleaning and just different problems with different people's rooms. I live with five other people and our rent at Selwyn, I think, is the one of the highest um, out of all of the colleges, especially, yeah, out, out of the undergraduate colleges anyway. Um, and we were spending almost two grand on our rent per term that was just really disappointing and it took a very long time and some of those problems still haven't been sorted out but it took a very long time for this college to respond just to those problems let alone the fact that we were all feeling quite disillusioned with the college's ability to react to different people's needs during the pandemic. Yeah and just on that road of kind of colleges and social lives really what's been your response kind of that you've noticed within your college or within your friendship group to the rent strike has it been fairly positive any controversies around yeah I think in my friendship group in general I mean basically all my friends are rent striking I think in my college 
most of my friends span lots of colleges um so within my college itself it's been difficult because we've had to kind of garner a lot of attention and people have been resistant I think out of fear that the college would reprimand them for joining the rent strike but actually a lot of people have come round, and it's been really nice to see people feeling more comfortable when that they hear more about the demands and the way in which the rent strike is a collective thing you know we're showing solidarity with students that don't necessarily have our own experiences but you know like I have friends who are international students and it's been really really difficult for them as well being you know forced to pay rent and yeah I just think that it's been a really it's been something that's brought people together who wouldn't have necessarily interacted otherwise. Oh I completely agree I think it's one of the few in a year where students have been quite divided I think for the first time Rent Strike is a really nice thing to bring people together. So in more recent events, obviously national lockdown, we're recording this on Wednesday. So we've just received the email from Toop uh, saying that our term has gone entirely online. For you kind of personally, how does the national lockdown change your situation? And how does that kind of change your perspective or commitment to the Rent Strike? Or does it at all? So... Personally, I am planning on returning to Cambridge. I'm in the process of negotiating with my college on the grounds of mental health and like having a space to work, which has been more difficult than I expected. And we just had an open meeting with all of the rent strike people and others were saying that, you know, it's strange, this feeling of having to like barter with your college over whether you're even allowed to come back to what for many people is their home and the place in which they can complete university the best and we were discussing you know what to do now because obviously a lot of people won't be paying rent this term and the university have it seems purposefully made it into this kind of binary where either you're living at Cambridge and you're paying rent or you get to save on your rent and live at home So they're effectively charging people for preserving their mental health by living in Cambridge. So I think what the stance is going to be is that the rent strike will continue to demand reductions in rent for those living in college this term. And that in Easter term, there'll be a larger rent strike and the demand for the 10% reduction will still be standing. Obviously, None of that is set in stone and it hasn't been completely decided yet. So don't quote me on that, but <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. You're talk- just mentioning kind of open meetings and the more the formalised process of it because Rent Strike Cambridge kind of came about in late November. I think the official start date is the 23rd. And so it's really nice that there has been a community that's been built so quickly. Is there anything that you think you'd change about how things are being run, how things are being handled? Anything that you think is maybe amiss or could be added to? Well, I've just been really, really impressed by the main team who's been organising. I think that they've been putting in an immense amount of effort. Um, I think that it's just a shame that lots of people feel this sense of like antagonism from their college and the idea that and are scared about the idea that 
there might be some disciplinary outcome from this and I wish that there was a better way of making people understand that one of the main demands is that there's no disciplinary action and if we're all in it together then it's going to be a lot easier so yeah I guess just carrying on and keeping up a sense of morale especially in these times when everything's changing but in terms of the way that it's been run I think that they've done an amazing job and finally to kind of round things off is there anything you'd like to say to people who are trying to understand more about the strike and why it's important to individual students as well as the community as a whole yeah I think that I would just say to people that if they're interested at all or even intrigued they should get in touch with their college rep. There's a community in every college who is looking out for you. These demands are all for student welfare and essentially they are made to make your lives better as a student. So if you are at all interested as a result of that, then you should definitely get involved. It's super easy and just speak to your college rep. That was Ellie telling us about her personal experience with Rent Strike in Cambridge and how it's affected her over the course of the last few months. Is that it? Is that everything? I think so. Perfect. So I guess the last thing we have to say is thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Switchboard. We would love to hear from you in messages, comments about any of the experiences you've had in or away from Cambridge over the last few weeks and how they've made you feel about Cambridge in general, really, and how this has changed your perspective, or even what you'd like us to talk about. If there's a particular controversy that you think hasn't been spoken about enough, let us know, and we'd love to have you on board to get people in to talk about it. So um, you can follow us on Instagram at Switchboard Varsity Podcast, and just look us up on Facebook with Switchboard. And that being said, although we'd absolutely love to hear about all of the issues you'd love to raise. I'm sure there's one person who's on all of our minds and that is the Vice-Chancellor Stephen Toop. And we will be bringing you the scoop on Toop, as it were, (laughs) over the next couple of weeks because he's really kindly agreed to an interview. So hopefully there'll be an opportunity for you not only to hear us covering what you're interested in, but also to put those questions to the Vice-Chancellor himself. Amazing. So thank you so much for tuning in. And hopefully we'll see you next week. And last but certainly not least, here's the promised music from New Music Cambridge, which is a CAMFM show that's showcasing all the best music from Cambridge students. And here's Olivia with her plan for the term as well as our first song. We'll be hearing from a new up-and-coming Cambridge artist who is releasing music at the moment. To finish our first show... We're going to hear from Matt Haygarth, who is a second-year music student at St Catherine's College, Cambridge. From his album, Running Standard, this is Opening Slash Wake Up. Oh
I'll try to feign distaste.